Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Sitting side by side together again. How luxurious. It is amazing. I can actually see your mouth. when mm-hmm. it, Actually, we have been vi- watching ourselves on yeah. Zencaster. Yeah, since they added the video feature. I mean, we don't save the video. It's just to make life easier for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been able to see each other for a while. The old days of just staring at a wall and hearing your voice in my head, and sometimes we're actually recording it. <laughs> Some, maybe someday we'll look back on those days fondly. Maybe. Because we don't want to look at each other anymore. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, so how you been? I've been good. I mean, I'm enjoying being in uh, Porto. Yeah. And just, uh, it's you know, nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I do, I do have orders to come back with some port. So I have well, to go yeah. shopping. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, and you're well, here with your significant other. I am. Yeah. Kelly and I are here. She's, she's on vacation with me. Nice. This is vacation. You know, we have like one or two days of work and, uh, and if you cram it all in one or two days. Do our best. Yeah. So let's roll the funky music for Better Know a Framework. Awesome. Go. All right, man, what do you got? So, uh, you know, I do this other show called The .NET Show. Indeed. Which is a YouTube video show sponsored by DevExpress. And there was a really, I thought was a really good episode, episode 19, Mm -hmm. which is called Maui on Mac. And I sort of, because doing Xamarin Forms and now Maui uh, in trying to build for iOS, and now we can build for Mac OS, Okay. So trying to do that with a Mac just has always been difficult. You know, sometimes the Visual Studio bits aren't up to the... Mac bits, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. So I found a solution, which is uh, Mac in Cloud. We probably talked about Mac in Cloud before. Right. But it's a, a way that you can host a Mac VM uh, in the cloud. And the cool part about it is that you get you can pay for a level where you get admin access. Oh. So you can drop down to admin, and you can do you know just about anything you want. And the cool thing is, instead of trying to pull the emulator over to my Windows machine with the network, which works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, and use the emulator, instead, what I do is I have the repo, and I I push to the repo, Mm -hmm. then I go to Mac and Cloud, I pull the repo, and then I build it. And I can so now you're building it on the Mac. Building it on the Mac, Mm -hmm. yeah, with .NET and iOS. Mac OS, like, doesn't matter. It, and you can just, boom, run it and test it. And if you want, I don't do this, but if you want, you can run, you know, Visual Studio on Mac, on the Mac, Mac and Cloud, if you're building, you know, focusing on Mac OS or iOS. Right. And that way, it's just all in one place. No problem. But, um, yeah, it's 120 bucks a month for, the, for, the, for what you need in order for it to work. But it's still cheaper than a Mac. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I never thought Xamarin Forms on Mac was particularly viable. I think Maui's worked, they've worked harder to make Maui better on the Mac. Yeah, Maui's better everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, consistency. Right. You know, in the UI across all the platforms is really good. That's cool. Yep. Good so one. that's it. It's uh, Maui on Mac, uh, and we have a link on the website, so go check it out. For sure. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Gravity Common Top of Show 1695, the one we did back back in 2020. Time's flying. Way back. Way back. 2020. Yeah. 
uh, with Steve Smith talking about ASP.NET Core API endpoints. Mm. And that really is the comment that, that caught me because it was really talking about building sustainable code. Uh, Aaron says, and this is two years ago, uh, as usual, a thought-provoking show, guys, and timely as they always seem to be. Last night I was umming and aahing about whether a new action method should go in this controller or that controller. Feature segmented design might help for those decisions going forward, and I'll carve out some time in the weekend try out that ASP.NET Core API endpoints. But I laughed at Carl's tone when he mentioned a 25-project solution. <laughs> uh, one of our mono repos is at 135 projects with thousands of Uncle, unit tests. you yeah, win. That's okay. Yeah, I don't know if you should be proud that you I won. I don't think you should be, but you definitely win the prize. But, he, but Aaron goes on to say, what's great is that Visual Studio handles it just fine. R, not so much. <laughs> if you have one terabyte of RAM, yeah. perhaps... It's even more laggy and a lagging-inducing extension at that scale. Yeah. Steve's suggestion on the Roslinator is worth following up on. This plus a couple of MADS extensions, you'd be quite effective and stopped having to, to uh, tune everything as if it's a link statement. I like the way he said MADS extensions. <laughs> yes. Everybody knows what that is. Yeah, because we just had MADS on the show. We did, yeah. and he is Mr. Visual <laughs> Studio Mr. Extensions. Well, he's at 170 of them now. Yeah, so how many MADS extensions have you got installed? Three or four. Yeah, I, I got know. four or five. Image yeah. sizers a, a must-have. <laughs> like MADS extensions. MADS extensions, yes. You heard it here. Yeah, other people may, may make extensions, but they're MADS extensions. They are. Better or worse. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much for your comment and a copy of Muse to Kobai is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Muse to Kobai, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there as well. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Muse to Kobai. And uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell and I'm at Carl Franklin. And send us a tweet. We won't be MADS. Ah, We'd be happy, me. actually. Yes. Be very happy if he sends us the tweets. Uh, okay, let us uh, introduce our esteemed guest, Jemima Abu. Uh, she's a self-taught front-end developer and school-taught systems engineer from Lagos, Nigeria. She's an avid advocate for diversity and intersectionality in technology and accessibility in web development, giving back to the tech community by speaking at conferences, such as NDC, mm -hmm. uh, volunteering at organizations geared toward diversity in the tech space, and teaching web development classes to beginners every other weekend. Also is a huge nerd, slightly obsessed with cats, and can usually be found on her laptop coding or watching Slice of Life anime. Did you, did you know about his daughter? Oh, yeah. My, 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 my eldest daughter is a, is a webcomic artist, crossing anime draw? style. But Magnum, what do you they're, call it? They're... Uh, they're they're graphic novels, right? Is it yeah. like webtoons? Yeah, or? same kind of thing. You know, she's got a style about her. And the current story is, I might as well plug it, is Electric Bones. Oh. Yeah. And electricbonescomic.com. Oh, it's wow. But I, I, you're, you're both a tech geek and a cat's person. So do you subscribe to the idea that to get your cat to stop sitting on your keyboard, give them their own keyboard? Ah, uh, fun fact, I do not have a cut. Uh, I just, I like the, just idea like, I like the idea of cats. I like the idea of cats. I thought I really liked cats, and I was like, oh, I'm, that's why I said that bio is really old. I thought I really loved cats, right? Mm -hmm. So two uh, years ago, I moved into my first apartment, and I have this friend, and she gets these two kittens, and she's like, oh, I have this issue with my landlady. I don't know if I can keep them. Could you cat sit? And I cat sit for two days, and I'm like, this is not the life for me. They wake you up by 3 a.m. by yeah. running on your face. Yeah. I didn't know that was part of the deal. Yeah, well, they learn happens. pretty quickly what works. Ah, you see, I, you know, the key, I woke up. The key to appreciating cats is in the sauce, actually. <laughs> the cat sauce? Yes. 
the sauce. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I I actually did this with a with a cat that was living in my house that was always on in in my face and on the keyboard. Mm -hmm. Is that I had another workstation and I literally set up a screen and keyboard, just put him in front of that keyboard, and he stayed there. He was happy as long as he had a keyboard. Doesn't matter it was mine or not. That sounds adorable. (laughs) He comes in like, "Are you both working?" He's like, "That cat never works. He just hangs out. I think he's just (laughs) watching cat porn. That's all he's." (laughs) 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 Yeah. All right. So. I'm a Blazor developer now. Wow, that sounds really weird for you me. Say, to say you that. say it like you own it, right? I know. I know. Welcome, Carl. I, I it's f- just like AA. I fell into the pit of Blazor development. Let's mm. put it that way. And so, a, a web component to me is is this thing that is all encompassing that I don't have to copy a CSS file, JavaScript file, and an HTML file all together. Um, as I as I know the words or the word the phrase web component has meant different things at different times along this journey. Uh, and, and I guess there's, is there an official definition that, you know, not as a Blazor guy for web components right now? Um, the thing with web components is that it is this in, like encompassing concept of different technologies. So mm-hmm. it uses like custom elements, HTML templates, right. the shadow DOM. Basically, it's just combining all those things like the HTML, CSS, and JS in one reusable HTML element. So you write your entire web component and then you just have like a little tag that is my custom component and you can render it wherever you want. So do you put, you know, markup, CSS, and JavaScript all in one file let's say and call that a component yeah pretty much you can just have like your templating file Mm -hmm. and then you can have your within that template file you can have your css and because the point with web components is that it's not meant to be an entire page you know right yeah you're not meant to have like a thousand lines of css so you can have within that template file you have your style you have your javascript and you have your html mockup and then within your other like global file you write your javascript where you define that web component okay. and that's what allows you to use that web component it's pretty much the same thing as a react component yeah where you define like a my button component and then you just call my button component anywhere else so that's pretty much the idea so the thing i like about blazor is that it scopes the css and javascript now it does to that component so one of the things about css and javascript just by themselves is that they're they define these global things right and so the whole idea then of a web component that only exists within that scope of that component is hard for me to understand. So how does the how does the official definition of web components scope those things? Does it? Well, I think that is where the shadow DOM comes into play because when you create an element within the shadow DOM and it's attached to the shadow roots, in my talk I likened it to the Naruto shadow jutsu. We, we need to roll back a few words here and define things for the people right. who have so many questions in, as I do right in now. In the anime Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. Naruto has this power called Shadow Jutsu, which allows him to create a shadow clone of himself. Wait, so is now, this a movie? It's an anime. It's yeah. a very it's an long-running Japanese animation. Okay. Yeah, it's classic. So, I, yep. Apparently. <laughs> it's it's like the Pokemon of the anime world for anime nerds. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is that where the term Shadow Dom came from? No. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think. I uh, see. Now I'm... Po- yeah. Now you go ahead. Laugh it up. It's okay. I'm no, I don't... It would be cool if it did. But no, I'm pretty sure that's not where it came from. All right. So from. what is a Shadow Dom? Let's, so a Shadow let's start Dom there. is a document object model that is separate from the Global Dom. Okay. So in that, it's a clone of the Global Dom in that you can have... 
HTML markup, CSS styling, and JavaScripting yep. in that thing, but nothing that happens in the shadow DOM affects the global DOM. So it's a scoped piece of the DOM. Pretty if you much, will. yeah. It's, a, it's okay. a scoped piece of the DOM. So every functionality, every styling, even if you have like the largest specificity or your yeah. JavaScript is targeting any other elements, it only applies within that shadow DOM that you have created. And is is that created in what markup in in JavaScript? You created in JavaScript. So basically, we have a this does attach shadow like definition. This does attach shadow method. Okay. And that is how you create you attach the custom elements to the shadow DOM. Wow. Yes. It's hugely, hugely um, helpful for me. It's, it's yeah, better I never, code I never on the board. was a web developer. I mean, I developed web stuff, but I never was really into it until mm -hmm. until Blazor came around. So, you know, I learn as much JavaScript as I can to that as I need to. That's one to, to get the job done. But I, but when I see, you know, all the classic web stuff that people are that people went and did, you know. Should we talk a little bit, like, why would you use a shadow DOM? Okay, sure. Um, so, you know, think of, you know, HTML videos. Mm -hmm. So, on a page, you render a HTML video. The video tag itself, when it's rendered on the page, it just looks like a plain old video. Yeah. But within that video tag is a shadow DOM that contains all the HTML markings that make that video. So now, if imagine having like video tags that were affected by something that you had done on the page before. So imagine right. if you had a video and for some reason your scroll bar was 50px in height because somewhere on your page you defined a scroll bar that was 50px in height. Yeah. So that is how the shadow DOM works. It takes your, it allows you to use this element without having it be affected by anything else on the page. Right. So it's kind of making sure that when you render, when we render a video tag, we're always expecting what we get with the video tag. Right. right. You know, so. And, and it's the, it's hierarchical. So everything within that shadow DOM just is within that component. It's not, it's not global. Exactly. Which is, you know, what's plagued JavaScript and CSS from the beginning. Yeah. I think. But I appreciate that it's got a big role to play in web components then because it's a way for you to bring in functionality and choose what you're going to show and manipulate. Yep, exactly. I think like shadow DOMs are the, like, they take a majority of my talk because they are like a major chunk of what makes web components so like reusable all the time and also yeah. like very easily extractable because yeah. with custom elements, you're just defining new elements, yeah. but those ones can still be affected by global scope. With the HTML templates, you're defining like you're putting the markup and the CSS and the styling, but even if your HTML template is not in a shadow DOM, the styling in your HTML template can still affect right. something else in your global scope. So, mm -hmm. And so CSS is cascading, obviously. So if you have global styles that your shadow dom sits in it will still inherit those styles yes or no no, no, no. it won't so you have to you're completely isolated yep. from everything outside it yep you so for example to. if you set a font family for your website and you expect every component to have that website your your web component, unless you specify that same font, is going to be different. Yep. That's why when you import like an iframe on your page, iframes have different fonts than the rest of your page. Because if an iframe is built as a web component, it comes with its own font. Yeah. So if you, they, there are ways that you can directly target the shadow element. So mm -hmm, yeah. shadow DOM. If I want to style an iframe, I can specifically target like some elements in that iframe if the shadow DOM is open. So you can have an open root, an open shadow root, or a closed shadow uh -huh. root. So if, so 
with my current company, we work with Shopify, and a lot of times we have like some iframe from some Shopify app, and then they're like, oh, we don't like how that looks. We want to change this button. Yeah. So now I can go in there and be like, okay, this is, I inspect the element. I see the specific name of that button class. Right. I create like my, let's say, custom app that override.css, mm-hmm. and I specify that button class there, and then that way I can override it. Yeah, yeah. But then if the shadow root is closed, I, I actually had that problem with like this form we were building. Like I just could not style it and I could not access it using JavaScript because once the shadow root is closed, the like JavaScript doesn't yeah. recognize that it exists. Yeah, so right. there was no way for me to attach any scripts to it, send any styling. I just had to use what they had or whatever limited con- um, Got it. customization the app offered. And this was a component that you imported that had to close shadow. Route. Yeah, it was an iframe from a uh, app we were using on the Shopify store. Okay. Wow. So. And so if it's open, can you assign style to it from outside or do you have to pull style from inside? If it's open, I can assign the style to it from inside using JavaScript. Okay. So I can append the style sure. to that um, container using JavaScript. Okay. Because that gives you a lot more, like, you're, it's more likely to work because it's been included in this yeah. element that you just created. I like more likely to work. That's a good feature. <laughs> it's, it's no, there's no promises, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, of course. It's JavaScript. You can't guarantee anything. Exactly. Wait a minute. There are promises, but that's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> now, if they're really components, is there a repository? Can I can I borrow components from others? Can that I... is the beauty of yeah. web components. The reusability of web components, because the components are built using the same syntax and because they don't require any form of builds or installs and it's all in the browser, mm. you can use web components anywhere. You can use it in a React project, in a sure. Vue project, in an AngularJS project. So mm-hmm. you can use it anywhere and people can. It's like with Storybook... So with Storybook, you have like these stories and people can publish their own stories of a component. So we mm-hmm. used to use that a lot when we we're working with design systems in the previous company I worked at. So people can publish their own like buttons that they've built or anything. And mm-hmm. you can just take that story, take that component they've published and use it wherever. So with web components, it's the same logic because it's, it's just HTML, CSS and JavaScript. You don't need to change any styling. You don't need to. Yeah. And all the styling and functionality is encapsulated. So web components pretty much work the same way that regular HTML elements would work. So yeah. if I have a details tag, I'm expecting like a little drop down accordion. So it's the same thing with a web component. If I import it from anywhere, I can use all that functionality. Right. And so story, I mean, I I tend to think back-end functionality with components. Uh-huh. Right? Reuse of a data access layer or of a of a um, authentication module or something like that. But you're immediately diving into the UI side. Like when you say Storybook, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess Storybook is like component-driven UI development, yeah. which just doesn't, that does not pop up to me as a thing I would do, and I probably should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, I just thought Storybook is very cool because mm-hmm. uh, it saves a lot of time in regards to like the documentation and how often you... Like we, with the current company I work with, we build a lot of projects across a lot of teams. Like we have the US team, the Canada team, the UK team. So if I'm working on a feature and somebody in the US has already built it, but I want to see how best I can get that thing in my project, I can just look at the story they've created. And I just have access to that encapsulated component and I can manipulate it to kind of do whatever I want. So kind of same logic with web components. Yeah. And the the term web components is a standard that was defined by what Mozilla or the W3C? I'm pretty. I think it was Mozilla. I, I see yeah. it on their site a lot, so yeah. I think they're the ones that coined it. But in other words, it's a standard. So when you say web components, every web developer who uses them knows exactly what you're talking about. Yep, yeah. you, you would hope. I, I mean, <laughs> so if people do have different definitions of components, sure. So, right. But yeah, with the Mozilla definition, web components just like 
the things with the custom elements and the Shadow DOM yeah. and the HTML templates. Right. Yeah. And all the major browsers support Shadow DOM. Now that yeah. Apart from Internet Explorer, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. We, yeah. I, did, I said major browsers. <gasps> Are you trying to imply that Internet Explorer is not major? <sighs> There's like 3% of the world that is very offended right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're not listening know. to the show. Because <laughs> they can't, because they use Internet because Explorer. Explorer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of IE inside enterprises mm -hmm. with a lot of custom software that was built for a specific flavor of IE. And Microsoft's jumped through a lot of hoops to keep those apps yeah. running for better or worse. But I've been using Fire, I've been finding Firefox works in situations where Chromium doesn't. Hmm. And, uh. um, you know, different things that you want to do. I, I find, oh, if, if the browser isn't letting me do that, I say, well, let me try Firefox. And some, sometimes it works. But then again, you have other standards that, uh, like Zencaster, for example, you can't use Firefox for that. No, because I don't know why, but they well, don't support it, it. I mean, also we keep I keep all the browsers around for a reason. It's like, what browser was this web page built for? Yeah, what did they test? It was probably Chrome. It's mostly yeah. it's usually Chrome. Yeah, it's yeah. Chrome and Chrome. Safari. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fun fact, I had a previous, another talk I did called The Evolution of JavaScript, because mm -hmm. when I got into web development, like I started with HTML and CSS, and then I moved on to JavaScript, and then I moved on to React, and then I got overwhelmed by how many different, like, frameworks and libraries and things were always coming out every day, so I was like, okay, what were the stuff that were being used before I started developing websites? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was in the evolution of JavaScript, and with the whole thing with so Microsoft had JScript and um, Netscape had JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. And then they did not have the same syntax. So nope, when you yeah. wrote JScript, it would only work on like Internet Explorer. And when yeah. you wrote JavaScript, it would only work on like Netscape browsers. Right. So people literally had to have like those little buttons on their sites that says like this browser is best built is best viewed in netscape or this browser is viewed. and i just thought that was the coolest thing ever <laughs> because like if i could get away with just putting this browser is best viewed in chrome on my website and call yeah. it a day i would be a very happy developer <laughs> yeah we don't right. get to do that anymore like you don't have the option of choosing which yeah, browser no, we only you support want this your browser. user to use i mean there, there was the great ie6 extinction event <laughs> where you literally had websites that would pop up and say hey you're running IE6. <laughs> friends, this site does not render an IE6. Friends don't Here's where friends you can get real browsers. Run IE6. IE6. Yeah. yeah. Make it stop. Maybe. Yeah. I feel, like it's, I feel like if we all come together and we take a stand against a particular browser, they will have to stop. If we just stop rendering websites on right, Internet Explorer, right. eventually they will fix it. Well, I did, they're just trying to make it go away. The real, I don't know how you feel about this, but it seems like the problem child these days is Safari. The new yeah. IE6. Like Safari's become the new IE6 in the sense that it is popular and not compliant with standards. It's And so it's because weird. Apple doesn't care. They, they'd rather have people put apps in the App Store than use their browser. That makes so much sense. There's this issue we discovered on iOS 15 where overflow hidden doesn't work on fixed elements. So we have a lot of models that require on the page being set to like Position fixed, overflow hitting. Mm -hmm. It just does not work on iOS. Specifically iOS 15 for Safari on iPhones. That's the only... That's the only place. You know, annoying a test case that is <laughs> when it works fine everywhere else, every other browser, but iOS 15 is just like, nope, we just chose so not I, to work. Safari on iOS 14, no problem. Like, Literally. So this is a bug. It's, it's a bug. And we have no... Because now we have websites that we built in the past no longer working because people are using iOS 15 on their new phones. And it's right. like, oh, I keep getting trapped in this scrolling thing and it can't go away because there's no more any position fixed. So they're just scrolling through this model endlessly. And it's like, you would think they yeah, would have would think. 
what what was even the meeting for that? Hey guys, let's take off overflow hidden. Why? <laughs> oh, I know we're Apple. What are people going to yeah. do? Source? But do you think that at least they publish that and make it break out on all iOS devices? By the way, we're doing this retroactively. Your iOS fourteen stuff will start working stop working shortly. <laughs> you see, like this that way. It's like okay, now we just know that on all Safari devices, it will just like if you could just target all Safari devices yeah. and just be like, you know, okay. no, we could put our evil hat on and say that well, wasn't evil. No, no, no. The an evil attribution hat okay Mm -hmm. and say maybe they just knew it was a problem and said "Eh, we we don't want to fix that this is just another way that people will stop writing you know stop using safari and put apps in the app store well i mean here we are in the eu and they've just put forward a a mandate for ios to have to allow other rendering engines to run Oh. They, they, hmm. so the end of they want the end of Safari rendering engine. I guess that's is it the Gecko engine. I think um, Gecko sounds familiar. Yeah, the, the Gecko monopoly. Because you can because you can install you can quote unquote install Chrome onto iOS, mm-hmm. but it's still running the Safari rendering engine on the hood. Oh. You just have a Chrome icon now. They make you feel better, but it, it doesn't. It wouldn't deal with that problem. Like normally, if I had that rendering problem on a, on another kind of device, I'd open a different browser. And see how it worked. If you try that on on a phone, on an i uh, on an on iPhone, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know what else doesn't work? If you if you're thinking that progressive web apps is a way that you can get your app on an iPhone, yeah, everything's fine unless you want to do something useful like oh, I don't know, notifications. <laughs> no, they don't support it. And you, they could, but they don't. Yeah. That's they because they want to. you to write an app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apple. <laughs> So, I mean, are you finding, are you writing like Safari specific pages or just Safari specific um, code in the page? Uh, If Safari then do it this way? Yeah, we literally just have like in one of our helpers, we just have this function called is iOS. And it just checks for every single possible version of iOS or macOS or in um, any phone or browser. And then we just put like a fallback for that. So we used to use like this, let's say we use the body scroll lock library that doesn't work on iOS. So (laughs) we have like, if is iOS, and then we just write our own manual function, else body scroll lock library. I I would go back to your previous uh, strategy of, please install Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't work. But yeah, no, they wouldn't let us do that. Our clients would not. Yeah, not acceptable. So we literally end up having to build an inferior experience for Safari to work around these restrictions. It's, yeah, it's it's and it's ridiculous because like the ways of testing, like sometimes you test something and it works fine on iPhone 12, but not on iPhone 13. Yes, it's the same phone. Why? Why? These, black in the old days, BlackBerry was like this. Like oh. you, you actually not only had to test on different BlackBerry devices, you had to test on different builds of BlackBerry of the same BlackBerry device. The behavior changes like. But this is how the IE6 revolt happened, right? <laughs> yeah. When is that eventually it's like, I can't, it was David Heinemann Hansen who said it, who said, look, I'm just not going to make Basecamp work on IE6 anymore. It's costing me too much money. The amount of extra code that's going in to say, if IE6 do it this way, I'm not doing it anymore. And a bunch of other sites suddenly said, you know what? We're not doing it anymore either. <laughs> that was like 2008. By 2009, even Hansel was saying, yeah, like listen, stop right because there was IE seven and IE eight out by then, right? They really just like, come on, go get another browser. Friends, yeah. don't let friends. Yeah, IE six. I have. We need to do well, the same thing with. So Safari. maybe the EU is going to help us here by requiring maybe. iPhone to allow other rendering engines. Not that would just be useful. Be trapped in Gecko, and then it's like, okay, if you don't want to fix your browser, we're just going to use a different browser. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it's true, but it, I don't either. I'd like it to be true. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. And with that, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey, it's Carl and Richard here. We're here with our friend J.D. Trask from uh, Raygun. Hey, J.D. Howdy. We thought we'd just talk to you for a second about how Raygun got started. How did the whole thing come together? It wasn't our first product. We actually built a range of different tech companies uh, prior to launching Raygun. And we built Raygun off the back of how Jeremy and I, the JB of the JD-JB duo, uh, had been monitoring our software previously, where we would email ourselves if there was a fault. And we wanted <laughs> to build a full system around that. Who would do that? <laughs> I guess I have. It's a nightmare going all into your inbox. <laughs> so that was the inspiration. Yeah, that's a great story. And, uh, and it's a great product. Thanks for making it. Oh, no. No, it's our pleasure. I, I honestly think, you know, if I was building a business today, putting something like that in from the get-go, we see customers where they adopt that sort of technology early and the number of issues they have sort of stays very, very low, you know, mm. from, from the get-go. It's really impressive when you see really large companies that are actually not sending very many errors because they've taken that quality so seriously from the beginning, right. as well as helping larger companies sort of, you know, bring those numbers down and, and lower the number of faults. It's really cool to see. Well, we use Raygun at .netrocks.com. And it does its job. It tells us when there are errors, but we haven't really fixed them yet. So um, <laughs> we do have a permanently ignore function for you there, Carl. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, well, thanks. Let's do this again. Thank you. All right. And if you'd like to know more about Raygun, go to raygun.com and try out a free trial. And we're back. It's Donnet Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, hey, hey. And we're here with Jemima Abu yep. from Lagos. Yep. It's not that. I mean, it's not much of a time zone change for you. You just had to fly north. Oh no, uh, I live in London now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. Yes. And that is like at twelve hours to London, like eight hours flying time. Eight hours flight if you're going direct. But yeah, but time zone wise, it's not too far. Like I'm just thinking where we are. It's almost due south, a little bit east. I think it, it might actually be the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think London and Lagos are on the same time. And if London and Portugal are on the same time, yeah. yeah. I, I did a flight from Istanbul to Cape Town, oh. which is like a 12-hour flight, yeah. and changed one time zone. I was quite disappointed. <laughs> you know, normally if I fly that wrong, I'm on the other side of the world. And I still was. I changed hemispheres. But, uh, you know, not a lot of time change. Yeah, geography. Are, are you a fan of Nigerian funk? Oh, I love Nigerian music. I mean, if you... If Felakuti. If you grow up with it, you kind of, you yeah. kind of have to love it. You know, it's like a, it's an inbuilt yeah. thing, but yeah. yeah Local yeah. stuff. <laughs> That's great stuff. Why are web components more prevalent? Like, I just don't know that we see much of it. Or is, or am I just trapped in a Microsoft bubble? That it's oh, not a not. thing. That yeah. may be true, but beside the point. <laughs> 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 Two things can be true simultaneously. Yes, yes. absolutely. So yeah, uh, I think like the main reason web components are not so popular is because like at the end of the day, it is a bit, for me anyway, it's more straightforward to use a framework if right. you're using one framework. So mm-hmm. now if I was working with like multiple frameworks across multiple projects, then mm-hmm. I might feel the need to have a web component that mm-hmm. I could put across those multiple projects. Right. But with most things, if I'm working with React, I'm using React for everything else. Right. If I'm yeah. a Vue developer, I'm using Vue for everything else. And at the end of the day, Web components, they do take a lot of definition because it's still, you're still writing plain HTML. Yeah. You just have to like define these things specifically mm-hmm. with React, with um, view. If you're already running a build, adding one more component is not a problem for yeah, you. Yeah. So to me, it's like you'd have to take your time to like specifically define this one component outside the 
like the setup library you already have or if you're using react you could just and and especially when you're talking about like react and view they have a ton of their own component type solutions mm -hmm. for anything you're going to want to do inside of their framework so well, also, why would you jump out i'm thinking you know what happens when you have multiple components that need to talk to each other you know do you have do you have that kind of scope can you use javascript for that i mean like uh to refresh when yeah that's that's another that's which shared. exactly with regards to states i'm not sure of the handling of states by web components because for one of my talks i was doing a demo using like um, a web component in a react component mm. and it renders fine but now i'm trying to remember if i could pass so the thing is if you are passing it as web components can take props as well yeah so if i'm passing a state value of state value as a prop huh that's interesting i wonder I feel like it should work. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to be using a pattern like Redux or something like that, or, yeah. you know, to 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 reach inside. But you mentioned that web components are can be closed, and when they're closed, yeah. when they're closed, they can't be referenced they by can't JavaScript. Be referenced, yeah. yeah, so that's another. So they'd have to thing. have some sort of communication layer pattern going on inside some event handling and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's why I use Blazor. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing for components is being able to use other people's code in a yeah. way that doesn't that is encapsulated. Exactly. You, you're not you're not going to expect any surprises, any any secondary effects from anything coming at you. From exactly. So you don't want to like install an iframe and then your homepage breaks. So. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't want to install an iframe at all. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's just me. I like iframes. The nineties okay, called. They want their tech back. Yeah. I I loved iframes because they. They were the only way to do that sort of Ajax thing back in the day uh, and do it seamlessly in the background. Sort of dynamic page refresh. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Piecemeal page refreshes. Yep. Uh, I used to use uh, see a lot of, what do you call it, like that Flash, Adobe Flash Player, because mm -hmm. I was big into like Neopets in the late 2000s. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so I, I recently like revamped my Neopet because I felt very guilty for abandoning them. So now I just checked these in. Are, these are the online version of a Tamagotchi. Yeah. Right? Like, and you didn't feed it for months. How could you? Exactly. So I just go there and then my Neopet is always like, I'm dying. And I'm like, sorry. And sorry. Then I check them into like a Neo hotel and yeah. I check back again. You know, you're just electrons, after. right? And you're <laughs> playing with my feelings. Like, yeah, stop that it. is how they get you. They use the human sympathy yes. to make you feel bad for bites on pixels on the screen. You know, uh, pet expired. <laughs> a certain date. Uh, you know, it's just now a no. pile of bones and People skin. would revolt. Absolutely. Yeah. They have to keep the pets alive. Because <laughs> I, I didn't log into Neopets for like six years. And, and when I came back, they were still dying. And I was oh, like, that's yeah, very still long lived. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically with that, they had a lot of flash player. But like now when I'm using Neopets, they are rebuilding the site. So they have a Neopets beta site now, yeah. which means clearly people are still using I love that for them. Right. They have a Neopets beta site that doesn't run on flash players. So I think it's just interesting seeing like a shift in technologies and like how people have to adapt because yep. like thing with web components is that it's well, it sounds likely to say that a web component you built 10 years ago should still be able to be used today i think that's really optimistic but i get right. the idea you get the idea yeah yes. yeah well i mean goodness knows i would like to have strong bad back you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Flash alive in some respect, although rumor has it uh, the Homestar Runner is now on YouTube, so oh. that's all, all that rebooted. We're talking about old Wait Flash stuff here. What what happened? <laughs> Homes, what is this? Flash is not dead. Well, if you're gonna talk Neopets, the least I could do is roll out a little Homestar Runner because that's, that's Homestar Runner. Same kind of stupid, you know, 
but flash based like when flash was the center of the entertainment web mm-hmm. you don't know jack yeah then it would then and it and neopets was one homestar runner like there was all there were all the same kind of things they were kind mm-hmm. of comic-y character and spaces but they depended on flash mm-hmm. and, okay. it, and as flash you know took its licking for various reasons and you know steve jobs going thoughts on flash his thoughts were not very kind to Flash. Uh, and, you know, but really it was the I2 HTML5 is the way. And so why, you know, rebuild, they're rebuilding Neopets using Canvas and, yeah. and HTML5 techniques instead of depending on, on Flash. So get this, in 2011, my daughter was in high school and she took a web class. The same guy that taught driver's ed taught the web class <laughs> and it was Flash. 2011. Yeah. And a web class was flat. I'm like, did they teach you any HTML? No. no. Do you even know what that means? No. JavaScript? Ever heard of that? No. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Uh, Flash and action script. You're yeah. Good. I almost don't want to say what town it was because <laughs> hopefully they've cleaned up their act by now, but that guy needed to go bad. <sighs> Badly. It was only a year after uh, thoughts on Flash. You know? Yes, I know, but. Yeah. <laughs> when Steve Jobs has a thought on Flash, you probably should pay attention yeah. to your curriculum. Yeah. And see. Well, I feel like a lot of high schools don't pay much attention to what Steve Jobs said. They are no. high schools. Yeah. True enough. And if you knew how to if you knew how to show off Flash, you were going to do it for better or worse. But it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. When is, is Flash supposed to fall out of support like next year is the last year? I could swear. Didn't they say like December 2021? Wasn't it, it last? not anywhere though. Yeah, because I kept getting notification. They're like, oh, by December 2021, mm-hmm. it's done. And I was like, oh. Adobe Flash, end of life. I have to look it up. <laughs> I need to know. What's the only, what is IE11 the only thing that runs it still? And who would run that? People that want to use Flash. Oh. December 31st, 2020. Oh, 2020. Oh. Yeah, end of life. December 31st, 2020. Friends, let oh. us pray. <laughs> For a Flash? Yeah. Yes. Let's have a little, uh, yeah. It is it the evolution of web development. It right? is. I mean, that's what it, it was. One of the first really graphically programmable it was fun. spaces to work in. I think that is why I really like looking into older, because the reason I started looking into web components was because, well, because I was looking for something that allowed me to use like HTML reusably, mm-hmm. even though by the time I found web components, I was like, I didn't want something dependent on JavaScript, so it didn't really fit my needs, but I liked yeah. the idea of it, which is why I started learning it more. But I feel like there's something to be said about like previous technologies and how like, they kind of made the base for like things that we had today, you know, because mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Flash and then we got Canvas because they were like, let's take Flash and like improve it. So yeah. it's yeah. not right. inaccessible and kind well, of terrible. And how do we make it native to the browser, exactly. not an add-in? Right. So, so you know, it's like the, the past, it really kind of forms the foundation for the future, which I like because like we had jQuery and now we have like React. Mm-hmm. I still like jQuery. I don't care what anybody Don't worry. Says. jQuery's everywhere still. Yes. They People rip use my like, jQuery out of my cold dead hands. Yes. You only use it for, for tree spanning, 
but you'll have the whole thing there just to be able to call it exactly like i, I want to just do like a dots class that's you know it. that's just what i want i yeah. could do class list or add but it's not the same it's mm-hmm. not the same i need that jquery yes and the yeah. dollar sign everywhere well, the so, number of times i've been looking for a javascript solution and someone says here and it's jquery <laughs> and that's what i was like literally these days no give me a vanilla javascript <laughs> solution it's that bad like when you search for something you have to write vanilla javascript because yeah. the <laughs> default solution will be jquery, JQuery that is how viral yeah. it went yeah good for them good for jquery 2008 first version of jquery jquery mm-hmm. was or 2006 installed in the Simple. web templates in visual studio for for a while wasn't uh, it uh-huh. it was shipped in the box with visual studio 2010 yeah because they that was mvc2 and mvc2 needed dom spanning and so rather than write their own because they started down that path the community convinced them i believe there were pitchforks and torches involved <laughs> yeah. To use jQuery, and they did. Oh, that's cool. It's a good news story, really. But it was weird for, especially in 2010, the idea yeah. that Microsoft would provide tech support for an open source library written by John Resi. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, did, how did we get here? What planet is this? That is tech for <laughs> did you. Did I just parachute in here from Mars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, who's who's the, who did we that show with? I think it was Chris Love who said, "Yeah." Like, jQuery's and everything, it's like a disease. It's a cancer <laughs> that must be cut out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's a good cancer. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's interesting how many people just have it installed by default whether they're using it or not. Like it's just a built-in overhead to almost every web, web page, right? Yeah. For better or worse. That is the drawback with like a lot of libraries. Like a lot of times I'll install like Moment.js but it's like 400 kilobytes mm-hmm. and I just want yeah. to like format the dates or time thing. <laughs> so Yeah. And I don't want to do it by hand, so exactly. by golly moment. And I think one of the reasons we just don't dealing with it is we have a lot of bandwidth. Like, I'm not going to pre-optimize here. I'm going to wait till it's a problem before we talk about exactly. doing any of those changes. So, like if the library is one MB, people will survive a one yeah, MB download. It's going to be okay. You'll make it. You have you have symmetrical gigabit <laughs> Ethernet. You're going to be okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. back back then, like in Nigeria, when I used to, we had these like little phones that you could get 10 MB worth of data oh. on it for the day. And we used to go on Facebook with that. Oh. We used to browse Facebook with 10 MB worth of data. If I tried to browse Facebook with 10 MB, it wouldn't even load a button. No. Like, yeah. I can't even expect a script to download <laughs> yeah. with that amount of data. 10 megabytes. It's like, so the full install of jQuery. Okay, you're done. That's you're it. Done. Like they, <laughs> the browser downloads jQuery and it's like, all right, thanks for visiting. No, no more internet. Sure, I'm pretty sure I've been to websites where the background picture was bigger than that. <laughs> We have we have sites that have video banners that are like 400 MB. Yeah. So you wouldn't even load the banner. No. But so if you're on those phones, you couldn't load images either. But this is where we get into this conversation about the other half of the world not being on the internet, because it's not that they're not on the internet. It's that it's 10 MB plans, and you're building these enormous pages that just are not. To your point, even today, you'll go to some restaurant website and you'll see the image just going ching, 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 down from the top. And you're like, how many gigabytes is this? Did they really need to put the full resolution image of this burger? No. They could have just made it smaller. Like people are not, I'm not going to be more hungry because the image is a gig. Like that doesn't. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. That or they're oh, trying wait, to emulate. Here comes. There's some fries. No, nope, those aren't fries. <laughs> That's chicken fingers. No, wait a second. It's nuggets. Nope, it's fish. Well, it's never fish. know. My internet just run out. So. <laughs> you can make a drinking game out of it. You have a cocktail before dinner. You're just trying to see what's coming down. Right. You could probably get other food by the time the image That's is finished. That's right. You could order. So. so what other technologies are exciting you these days? What What about WebAssembly? Is that interesting mm-hmm. to you? So we've, I'm not very interested in the new technologies because I just use what the company I'm working with uses mm-hmm, yep. and mm-hmm. i will my previous company i worked with react with svelte with nox with this company we work with shopify so i do a lot of liquid and um we we have like this inbuilt framework called canvas and yeah. frames some of them use view so i like mm-hmm. i like um previous technologies based on the ideology behind them based on this is a problem um, a lot of new technologies these days are like this is a problem and there are 13 solutions for it i'm going yeah. to build my own solution right. so now there'll be 14 solutions right. and it's like because you know everybody needs a high school project exactly everybody everybody needs that one <laughs> all solving project yeah just Although, like everybody else is all solving yeah projects, but so. i gotta like i appreciate a liquid js because it's it's an opinionated framework it is for one thing really it's for working with shopify i love that brother yeah. like they don't they don't need to appeal to anybody why no. don't you guys do not write liquid good luck building a shopify store yeah it's like yeah. that is the one you thing you can do it do. the hard way or you do it with liquid are you not using shopify liquid's not for you mm. they, they, it's, it's perfect it's like they they know their target audience yeah they don't have a competition it's just them right yeah, i also feeling like more and more we're seeing the framework approach is far more opinionated we do this thing this way. If you don't want to do this thing this way, don't come here. Like, go somewhere else. It, as opposed to trying, like, I, th- I do think, like, Angular tried to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And, and got in trouble for it. Until they finally had to be opinionated, they got even more trouble for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to stop, to tell people to stop doing things when you've been allowing them to do things yes. for a while. So you, you say from the beginning. Yeah, you got You can't take anything back. Yeah. But I think I think we're having. I, I feel like we're having fewer problems with the proliferation of JavaScript libraries because they are more opinionated. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not everybody should use this. It's like if you do these things, use we can this help. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, it's healthier, I think. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, I, I guess it is it maturity in the market. How strange. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. But you know, we talk, we've been on this show. We talked a long time about that. You know, you're going to need this a suite of components mm-hmm. of, of different JavaScript right. libraries and what tribes. The, they don't all work together, so there's got to be this tribe that works for you. That's like, hey, these four work together pretty well. Use that. Yeah. But yeah, in some ways, so I think, true anymore, is it? No. Nah, well, I think that we ended up. We do have tribes now, but they're Angular JS, uh, Angular, yeah. React, and Vue, mm-hmm. and Blazor, and, and within those, <laughs> within that, yeah, hello, Blazor, yeah. got it, <laughs> and that B thing. but and within that there are other components that work well in that space Mm -hmm. right you you wouldn't look to react if you're working in angular Mm -hmm. right Uh, or you wouldn't look to redux if you're working in angular you look at redux when you're working in react yeah Mm. so you are getting that but it's become more structured Mm-hmm. I think it's just because, like, these things, they're so vast that they span their own ecosystems. Yes. You know, you have React, and then you have Redux, and then you want to have, like, your Redux middleware. So from there, you have, like, observables and epics. So it's just, like, it creates the family tree. Yeah. So you wouldn't end up taking, like like I said, you won't put Redux in a Angular application. And by that, like, genre, you wouldn't get, like, your epics or anything else mm-hmm. either. So it's, like, it's a nice, I kind of like it. It's, like... But you... you but it's it, it is you know first hit is free. The entry level drug is is a view or a React. <laughs> yeah. And once you've made some commits to that, and you have another problem, 
then you're already in that hierarchy to solve it with a library. A that problem factory. Mm, exactly. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a manufactures its own problems yeah. and its yeah, own yeah, solutions. Right. There yeah. you go. We've got you this far. Now you're going to have this problem. Here's the tool for that. Yeah. Don't worry. There's another problem coming. <laughs> We've got a tool for that too. <laughs> and now for a commercial break. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. That's, uh, I remember that old phrase. I had a problem, so I used Java. Now I have a problem factory. Yes. <laughs> Well, I had a problem, so I used regex. Now I have two problems. Yeah. yeah. I, I really appreciate people that can write regex. I don't think I've ever written any regex no. No, factor. I, for I like, know some people who can write at regex. They just can't read it. Yeah, well, so nobody it's, can. It's very much a write once language. <laughs> write only language, yeah. yeah. Stack Overflow. That's my um, <laughs> yeah. regex library. That's my regex library. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. how do I make check for capital letters and numbers? Stack Overflow. Yeah. Got yeah. It. It'll get you there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like going to your uh, your granny's house for dinner. Here, try this. <laughs> what is that? It's, it's good. good for you. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. That's all it's uh, It's good for you, yeah. Well, we make fun of cut and pasting from Stack Overflow, but what else were you going to do with regex? I mean, yeah. honestly. So, really? I feel like so many um, occupations, because the other day I was talking with my friend from high school, and she is she's in medicine now, and I was mm-hmm. like, do you ever like Google symptoms? Just like all the time. Mm-hmm. All the, Somebody comes in and they're like, I have this drug, you just Google it. So yeah. are all occupations not just cut and paste now? Well, and once upon a time in the medicine space, there were these giant books of <laughs> drugs. <laughs> there you can get to those by Google now so i guess you're googling like back then, you also had to read the books because you had to know where you had seen the thing yeah. before so you could reference it or you, you sound say- like angry bitter old people <laughs> no i'm happy i'm happy they don't i'm happy for it doctors that they don't have to read the <laughs> yeah. huge books anymore because yeah. now everything is it's, online it's searchable but i mean the point being you're not just searching any old site you're searching the site that used to be the books like yeah. it is quality information exactly and also, you still know what to search for. That's really the difference between a doctor and somebody going on WebMD. Yes. Am I going to die? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Plenty yeah, of sites that tell you you will. Yeah. You, you, yes, you are dying. Sites shouldn't be allowed to say. I know, <laughs> you, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I have a headache. Something, something. Yeah, possible causes death. Yeah, exactly. Just Don't tell me I'm going off. to die, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? Um, I have another conference in London next week. Not next week. No, so the NDC London. I'll yeah. be speaking on that in... Um, we'll be there the too. T- yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'll be there 8th, 9th of May. And then I'll be going to Copenhagen, not Copenhagen, Budapest. Budapest oh, wow. on 10th of May. So yeah, that should be fun. That should be fun. Well, yeah. that's great. Hey, it's been great geeking out with you for the it last has. hour. And thanks for educating me personally and everybody else who's listening. <laughs> I still don't think he understands Naruto, but you know, progress. <laughs> it's if you have kids, they'll tell you about it. Yeah. That's I'm totally okay not knowing what that is. <laughs> if if any of your children is even the slightest bit of a geek, just be like, hey, what's Naruto? And then just prepare for like three hours okay. of like the Hokage right. and all the breakdowns. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a lot of internet memes. That's what it is. A lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again, and thank you, dear listener, for listening. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. 
online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter van.